Hey guys, welcome to the Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Timmy Riggs. I hope you're having a great week. We just came off of a, uh, man, I think the second installment, maybe the third of our Distractions series, uh, where Pastor Rick led us through a, uh, a great message about desires and what that means for us. And so uh, I am here again with Pastor Casey Myers. So Casey, thanks for stepping on here with us. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that he has his girl dad shirt on uh, and if you're just listening then I just told you he's wearing his girl dad shirt and Casey had a little girl about four months ago she's four months old right that's exactly right yeah. Zoe Kate little Zoe Kate what is your favorite thing about Zoe she is giggling like crazy now so and you can make her giggle it's not like just random ones so yeah it's super fun sometimes I I come in a little hot because Casey's my next door neighbor so I'll come over and I'll be like hey Zoe really fast right in her face and she starts crying so I'm having to learn <laughs> how to slowly present myself to yeah. her so she doesn't get scared um hey in the last couple of weeks I have told people about our John Wesley statue here it's doing a couple things it's reminding us our heritage exactly right. um and it's also weighing down the table so the mics don't tip over, but it was used to be the 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 symbol the, uh, the that was given to those who were ordained, and so Casey was also part of our ordination class a mm -hmm. couple weeks ago. So pretty excited about that. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Really yeah. incredible so experience. He now can go into the holy of holies. I. I don't think that's the way it works, but yes. Oh, I guess I'm <laughs> interpreting scripture wrong. Um, but anyway, hey, we'll get into it, and we'll talk a little bit beyond our, our Sunday message. And uh, that is where Pastor Rick, one, just pointed that we have a lot of desires in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact of the matter is most of those desires are not necessarily bad. Uh, he goes through the line of, um, you know, whether it's having more friends or moving up the job ladder or uh, maybe having a little bit more money or sex or so many different things, you know, that can be just inherent desires to us that were actually God-given things, most of them, you know? Uh, but the problem is it's so easy for the enemy to use it as uh, a way to get us off track, to, to help us um, kind of miss the mark of where we're wanting to go. And so there was a great line that he kind of shared over and over in his message that was basically like our desires— um, you know, things that we want now are often competing with the things that we want most in life, right? And uh, that sometimes oh, some of those things that I named before can kind of get in the way and, and get us off track. And he talks about how, how the devil, the enemy, will use the things that we want now. He wants nothing more than for us to step into the things that we want now, immediate gratification maybe or whatever, and get us off the path of what we want most. And so he opens up with our Hebrew scripture. We've been going through Hebrews. And so real quick, will you just read that passage and it'll kind of guide us for our conversation. Sure thing. So we've been in Hebrews chapter 12 and it was just two verses this last, uh, this last week. So it starts in verse 16. It says, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Yeah, so uh, really inspiring passage <laughs> to open up <laughs> the day. Um, but he, Pastor Rick does a great job of, of helping us understand 
what's what's taking place here. So obviously the Hebrew writer, he's writing to a community of people and there's something specific to their context that he's making sure that they are aware of what Esau did. And is basically at that point trying to say, Hey, don't do the same thing. Right? So Pastor Rick walks us through the very beginning of time, basically where Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have the very presence of God. They are given the free gift of, of love and to be with God with that comes choice, the ability to choose. And they are then confronted with the very real comparison that we face on a daily basis of what they want now versus what they want most. And we know that they make the decision to go with what they want now. Um, And so that leads us in a path where we're now separated in our relationship with God. And uh, so therefore, there must be a way back into that relationship, right? Um, Did you have a, a quote for us or something in your book oh no i just was i was bookmarking it for later okay good um and so then he steps into all right so then we see a situation with jacob and esau who are later uh given to us in in genesis um about what's going on in their lives so um that is on that same track what i want now versus what i want most so Let's talk about them for a little bit and have an understanding of, okay, what does that mean for us? Why does it matter? The Jacob and Esau story. Right. Yeah. So um, the Jacob and Esau story, I mean, it has has significant, uh, it just has a lot going on. So it is, as whenever you're reading the Old Testament, you're, you're tracking through generations of history. And so it's kind of difficult to just like to pick up and and Rick, this is another thing that Rick does so well is that he can pick up a story kind of there in the middle and reference a couple of things from, like you said, the very beginning of time, but it's a big, long story in which generations are, are, are being explored. It's a, it's an exposition. It's a story of, uh, of the family of, of what would then be the people of God. And so, uh, the story of Jacob and Esau is is substantial because it it tells us exactly what's going on. Did you want me to narrate? Yeah, that, what happens? Great. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. So um, Esau and Jacob are twins, and uh, because they're twins uh, and the very firstborn, uh, they are what it matters being firstborn. It matters being born first in this. Uh, culture in this time because you receive so much. And Rick talks about this. You receive an inheritance that's double any of the other children uh, of of your parents. You receive so much more. I mean, just ridiculously more. Uh, you receive a blessing from your father uh, that, that sends you. It's kind of a, it's, it's a commencement of sorts. It sends you into the next portion of life, carrying the weight and the history uh, and, and the significance of your family lineage. And so Esau was born first of the two twins, and Jacob comes next. And in a crazy turn of events, Esau is out hunting, and he comes back to uh, back without having caught anything. He didn't he didn't kill anything, so he is famished, starving. Jacob is cooking up a pot of stew, and they eventually what happens is Esau is so hungry, so famished that he is willing to, like Jacob requests of him, he's willing to trade his birthright, uh, what it means to be firstborn, his inheritance, his blessing for one bowl of stew. And Rick is a genius, right? He brings up a bowl with him to kind of continue to point us back to this bowl of stew. 
And, um, you know, I, there's a bunch of places to start with this, right? He, he gives away everything for one bowl of stew. And I, I, I love the story. There's so much to be said about, about that quote that he said, uh, Levi Lusco writes a book called swipe, right? It's about sex, dating and relationships. And the way that he describes and the kind of just different words than Rick does, he says, now yells louder, but later lasts longer. And so the what we want now is so loud and so real that it drowns out what matters, what lasts a really long time. And uh, so that that has helped me in this story of Esau and Jacob, because it's just kind of a, you know, it's a quick line that is easy to kind of commit to memory and it's so true for Esau and Jacob, and it's so true for, for us today. Um, and so I uh, love to read, and one of the things that I love to read, I'm actually holding Pastor Jake's copy of uh, N.T. Wright's For Everyone series. He writes uh, these books, and they're amazing, and it's truly for everyone. He writes it so that you can, at any point in time, pick up these books whenever you're having difficulty understanding and uh and he kind of just points you to what the text is really saying and what it has for us today. And, uh, you know, Hebrews is a difficult place to be reading out of. And, and Pastor Rick mentioned it kind of at the beginning of his series that it's, it, we don't know too much about it. We, we struggle with knowing who the author is. We struggle with knowing who the audience is. Um, and, and we don't really know much about about any of the book of Hebrews, but we know that it has something for us. It's, it's been adopted into the canon of biblical scripture. It's a part of our Bible. And so it, it, it kind of phrases things in a different way than, than what we're really used to, even reading in the rest of scripture. It's, it's got kind of a different feel to it. And so N.T. Wright was really helpful for me, and I wanted to read just a short passage of what he says. He says, he's, he's comparing what is the church's situation in this moment in time today what we have, this cultural moment, uh, what is what does Hebrews have for us today? And so he says, what sort of situation in the church then and now does Hebrews imagine will be parallel to this, this moment of Esau? From the beginning of verse 15, it looks as though the writer is aware that within every church, every Christian fellowship, there may be some people, whether few or many, who are, as it were, passengers. They are enjoying being where they are. They like the company of Christian people. They feel safe. They feel secure. But they have not done business with God for themselves. They have not sought. They have not found his grace, that loving mercy, which goes down to the root of their very being and transforms them at their core. And so I think that's a really good place kind of for me to start is that it describes Esau as, as godless. And so of course those, those virtues that matter most are, are, are some of those things that we call the fruit of the spirit. And one of those, you know, that we, that we've been talking about a little bit is patience. How can we expect out of someone godless, out of someone who hasn't done business with God? I love that, that, that phrase to express that virtue of patience, that, that thing that gets them past the now that's yelling so loud and into the later that lasts so long. So just a couple of beginning thoughts. Those are phenomenal thoughts because um, I think that's really good. And that was kind of what Rick talked about. He was like, does 
the godlessness of Esau, because it's said right after those who are sexually immoral, like, is that what it means? And he said, no, I think what it, he's saying is often sexually immoral decisions are made in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. That, well, this is what now screams louder. Um, and Jacob and Esau makes a now screams louder decision, right? And so his godlessness led to making that decision. So that's really good. And that idea of... Um, patience sticks out to me because throughout the whole time as I'm, I'm listening to the sermon, um, we know, and, and, and Pastor Rick touched on it, like it's not always going to be a sexual thing or it's all, you know, a money thing or whatever. Um, I think there is maybe a lot of smaller things that we maybe trade the bowl for, um, or we take the bowl for, right? And so that's kind of, again, what sticks out to me. And that was kind of my question, you know, what are ways today that we choose over and over the bowl, you know, whatever that is, our bowl of soup compared to whatever is maybe what we want most. I love that quote, you know, whatever now, now yells louder, later lasts longer. And so I think that so many of them, I used the example with you right before we started was, you know, I think one way that you choose not to take the bowl is living into the patience, and I'll throw that in there, with your spouse. Moments of, hey, I'm not just going to get mad because that's what I want right now. I want a long, thriving, healthy, mutually um, forgiving, accepting marriage. And so in this moment, in this moment of frustration during whatever it is, whether it's figuring out who's picking which kid up from soccer, figuring out what your budget's going to look like for the month, figuring out where you just want to go to eat, right? The things that uh, Em and I, the other day, we were talking about how we've gotten in one big fight, right? Whatever, uh, disagreement while she's been pregnant. And we were like, what was it? I don't know. We couldn't remember (laughs) what the argument was even about. And so that's what's so funny is often in the moments when... I think for us, it's for Esau, and maybe we get into this, but it was a huge trade-off and a very clear, massive moment that could change his life. For us, most of the time, the moments of taking the bowl or not are really, really minuscule. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that we do it over and over and over. So that's kind of why I continue to say that. Right. It's like taking just a bite out of the bowl, and then you kind of go back and then you kind of come back to the bowl. It's one of those things that we continue to return to. And Timmy and I were talking a little bit before the podcast. One thing that's really foreign about the Old Testament, whenever we get to reading it, and obviously Hebrews is in the New Testament, but it's referencing an Old Testament text. One of the things that's so foreign about about reading the Old Testament is is just is that big, long scope, like we were talking about, of generation to generation. You can read all about Esau's grandpa, Abraham, and you can read all about Esau's grandchildren and great-grandchildren throughout the Bible. And so we don't have that kind of access. You know, the the earliest I can remember, and I only met her a few times, is my great-grandma, and hopefully I'm around for my grandchildren and maybe great-grandchildren. We don't we don't have the full scope of, I don't know what my great grandma's life was like, you know, and I don't, and I probably won't know that much about what my great grandchildren's life is like. And so to take all of these generations in one deep breath, because that's what we're meant to do with scripture is to, is to read it in big 
swaths. You know, it's difficult whenever you just read one verse or two verses at a time because you don't get what the author is trying to do. You don't get all of this rich history that actually informs that one or two verses that you're focused in on, you know? And I'm, and I think that's why Rick takes us back to the beginning. That's why Rick takes us, you know, back to the, to the whole story of Esau is so that we can really know what the author of Hebrews is intends for us today, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, Esau has a history of family issues of, of lack of patience. Abraham has a moment in time in which instead of waiting to have a child with Sarah, who had been barren for a really long time, has a child with, with Hagar, you know, one of their, one of their servants, one of their slaves. And so instead of waiting for what God had promised, waiting for, and for Esau, waiting for what was rightfully his, they, they trade it for a bowl of soup. And so you have not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, instead of Esau, it, Ishmael is is there in the middle too, you know, as the son of as the son of Hagar and, and Abraham. And so there's whenever you think about it that way, you have you have so much history behind you and your story. You have so much history that, that, that goes into the decisions and the kind of lives that we live. And that's why it's so substantial and so significant. It's not just our lives here in the middle. It's what's come before us and it's what's coming after us. It's, it's the Andy Stanley quote that, you know, that he eventually ends up. Yeah, Andy's quote is so good. It says, uh, in light of my past experience, my present circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do, you know? And when you just said, talking about, you know, generationally or whatever, I've, it makes me remember I was listening to T.D. Jakes one time, and, and he said, there's a future you counting on you. And there's there's future children, there's future grandchildren, and their their hope is in you. Now he you know he's being a little poetic and stuff, but yet there's so much truth in connected to that. What I want now compared to what I want most, and uh, man, I just can't like that's so good. Now screams louder, later lasts longer, and so we want our our legacy to last longer, right? And so, um, and it's. It is poetic, but it's just as true. Like I, and I, you know, however many personal anecdotes I have to tell to make it clear, right? I'm in the process of ordination. The only person on my mind is my grandfather. His ordination, his, his being a pastor, it's, it's what took me to the place I am now. His, his funeral changed the trajectory of my life instead of going into academia, choosing to be a pastor. And so to, to have gone down the path of now I'm, you know, five, six years of experience and, and being a pastor, I'm, I'm being ordained. I'm the general superintendent's hands are on my head. I, he's the only person on my mind. And so there is this deep sense of what we do does matter for the, for the future. And the people bef- that came before him, it, it mattered for him too. He got to that place of, of, of the calling of the pastorate in the same, in the same kind of way, or maybe it was a different way. I don't know what his grandparents were like, you know? And so they, this line, it, we don't know all about it, but it, it does matter. It, it changes things, you know? And, and that's why choosing to be faithful in this moment choosing patience, choosing not just what we want most, but what God wants most for our lives actually matters. It's substantial. It's, 
it's it's our life it's what we were meant to do yeah and i just think i mean you even take that back you and i you you spend a lot of time with with youth senior high students and and i with college students and so we're seeing i think more than ever which is odd but this like i think in high school and in college we live in a time that compared to our grandparents so my uncle jack who was my dad's uncle and so my great uncle i guess um he just he he just passed away last thursday or friday and his funerals today 97 years old and uh he was a uh world war ii veteran in italy came back worked in the steel mill um and credit my dad was telling me this morning the amount of people that he led to christ in the steel mill is is probably tenfold what most pastors will ever do and it felt really like and and, you know it was even my dad was like possibly more than me you know like you know and so like you're just thinking man what a life but you think my real example of him is um that's a hard life going to world war ii coming back working in the steel mill you know which a lot of people are gonna be like yeah that that was me or that was my dad or what a grandparent whatever like people might be able to relate to that in today's day and age, that's just not our case. Like, you and I didn't have to make the decision of are we enlisting or not? Are we having to put ourselves in chaos in hopes that, you know, order will be an outcome? Like, our, we've had smooth lives. Um, so smooth. And so what's f- interesting for us is we see with high school students and, and college students sometimes, it's not all, but a kind of res- – a a fog over many of them is this like this demeanor of defeat and it's like what do you feel defeated about like Mm -hmm. what are you scared of like life has kind of really never been better right and and i don't know we could that would be a whole different podcast of getting in why this is the case but i think out of it oddly is it feels like time for them and I experience this too is like I'm running out of time I'm running out of time and it's like whoa whoa, whoa. like Uncle Jack was 97 I gotta yep. live 70 more years 70 more years right and so when you bring that into okay so then patience and realizing like man I have a life a lot of life to live and if I am able to defer what screams loudest like then what matters most is is going to be the fruit, right? And uh, slowly, though, you have to live into that. But the most important part of that is, well, are, are you godly or godless? Like, is right. are you allowing God to lead you, which was the ultimate do of the message in that, are we allowing God to lead us or are we letting our desires control us? And so... Um, it is a desire to be with God and be around him and spend time with him, which then he leads and guides our lives. Right. So like, um, and even I brought it up to you that the passage that is, you know, God gives us the desires of our heart. Ultimately when we lean into God, God gives us the desires, the things to desire, the, the life to desire. And then, we continue to follow his lead and live into that. And it's things that are already helping build and expand his kingdom. Right. Um, and so just in all of that, that what we just said with that whole knowing of, Hey, there's a future you, your 
the future part of your spouse, your future kids, future people in general are, are, are counting on you, not in a sense of like, you know, be our savior, but just, Hey, how are you helping lead us ultimately to godliness? Um, and so I think that's so important and kind of step back and we're like, Hey, we, we, we're in a situation. I know it's not for everyone, but a lot of us, especially in the United States and just, we have the ability even to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. Like we have the the privilege to get to do that, you know? And so I think that um, that's important to remember, but here's the part that I think is important. A, even in Esau and Jacob's relationship, but in our lives and it's how Rick closed was basically, Hey, there might be three places like that you're in a, it might be, Hey, something screaming, right now i'm in a situation where i'm trying to decide which one um two i can't remember i'm i think that was the second one that was the second one the first one was i'm gonna put this in my back pocket i'm gonna put this in my back pocket there might be a moment later where i need this and the third one was no i made the wrong decision i took the bowl i screwed up right mm-hmm. and yet our relationship with jesus is that hey no matter how much you've maybe screwed up we can't change the past but you can be forgiven Right. And you can move forward and you can begin to live a godly life where the fruits of the spirit overflow, you know? So I want to backtrack to that, that Andy Stanley quote. I, one of my favorite questions to ask students as a youth pastor is what do you want to be when you grow up? Because the answer is, is, I mean, it's, they've got loads of different things they want to be. So sometimes it's, it's things that you'd expect out of like even younger kids, like firefighter, but like, they actually have a concept of like what it might take to be a firefighter. You're in high school. You kind of know you're going to have to do these certain things before you can become a firefighter, you know? So they have like more of an idea of like, that's realistically something that I actually, I'm willing to take the time and the, and I'm going to have the patience to do these things before I can become a firefighter. I ask it of all students that participate this last Sunday was also graduate Sunday. So, um, all of our, uh, seniors in high school and seniors in college, we had a pamphlet full of kind of some of their future plans or the things that they had majored in. And one of the questions on that pamphlet is what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, everybody kind of answered in that vocational stream, except for one student. And this was the most fascinating answer because it wasn't really an answer to what do you want to be when you grow up? It was who do you want to be when you grow up? And he answered, I want to be known as someone who is a friend to many and close to God. Hmm. And I mean that when you think about his, this student's past circumstances or his past experiences, his present circumstances and his future hopes and dreams what more could any of us hope for than to be known as a, as a truly good friend and close to God? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate answer to that question. You know, I think when we ask about what is, what is it, what would be wise for us to do right now? I mean, if it doesn't align in that and your relationship with God and your relationship with others, then it's probably not the wise thing to do, you know? And so out of all of that, you get, you get to this place of, of deciding whether the now is yelling really, really loud or you're choosing the later lasts longer or you're putting this in your back pocket for later or you've already chosen it. Um, 
it's not that Esau, and we, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, it's not that Esau was beyond forgiveness. I think that that's, I think that that's a difficult piece of this. He's, he's not going to get his inheritance, and he doesn't get the blessing of his father. Those things, those things have come and they've gone. But there is a beautiful story of reunion between, between Jacob and Esau later on down the line. And so while his in- inheritance, his money, and while the blessing of his father has gone, there is this deeper sense of the repentance, those tears that, that he's cried and, and he doesn't see those things. They actually lead to this real sense of, of redemption, like his relationship with his brother is mended. And what brings us closer to God than real and right relationship with each other? You know, Timmy and I talk about it all the time, how grateful we are to be such close friends. And it's because it's pushing us in the right direction. I mean, it's always leading us away from the bowl of stew and toward what matters most, what God, what God wants most for us, you know? And so I hope that you have a friend or a family member that's constantly pushing you away from the bowl of stew, away from temptation, away from distraction and toward, and toward who, who God's calling you to be. Yeah, man, that is so good. So here's kind of my last thought, last question about it. Do you think that, and there's, I don't know if there's a right answer. When we, especially if we're, you know, living in, in that, in a relationship where you're getting help to be pushed away from the stew and and you're living into your relationship with God, therefore godly virtues are overflowing. Do you think that the moment, the uh, moments of choosing over what yells louder versus what lasts longer happen less? Do you think that you, you grow, as you spiritually mature and you grow in life, that the, you know, if, picture I, I'm, my Uncle Jack. I mean, sweet Christian, just a sweet man, friend to many, close mm-hmm. to God. I mean, that's how he has I've been reading all my cousins, you know, their their statements about him and stuff. And, and that's hands down who he is. So do you think as you move forward in your your spiritual maturity that the you you further and you distance yourself from even the presentation of the bowl of stew? That's a good question. I don't know if there is a right answer. What I do think is that line that we repeat so often here, our mission, what we're going for, becoming more like Jesus. I think becoming is a process. And, you know, that has been a troublesome word for some. Um, in a in a conversation with a mentor of mine, we were talking about about this process of becoming more like Jesus. About sanctification is the is the big fancy word for it, right? About what it means to truly be Christ-like, um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be constantly constantly made or not only just we are created in the image of God, but in his likeness as well, you know. Um, he, he, he talks about it as a, he says, he says, I've had a crisis in which I was, in which I felt like I was sanctified, but I've had a number of crises in which I felt like I was becoming more, it was a process of crisis. I've had so many of them and it's, 
I don't think that we ever fully distance our. I don't know if it's a distance thing as much as it is a, as it is a journey of moving, moving in the direction that God calls us to. You know, when when we set our eyes forward, and Jesus talks about it like someone who sits down at the plow and looks backward, they aren't fit to do that work. That it's this constant looking forward and knowing where it is that God's calling us to. I. So I don't know. I'm not sure if there's a right answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, no, that's it's a good. good good question for us to to dabble with, yeah. you know, to think through. And, and I think I'll just close with this. And this is what hit me, hit me, you know, when you're thinking, okay, what's what's the bowl of stew in my life? And I, Rick just used it. It was one of his illustrations, and he was like, "How how much are our phones? Um, yeah, go, you know, social media." That's basically it, right? I mean, that's what I use most of my phone for, phone calls and texts and then social media. And he's like, how many hours of meaningless soup are we trading and eating when we could be spending time with family, investing in our relationship with God, maybe literally just sitting in the backyard and enjoying the outside, hearing the birds. We got a little uh, bird's nest right now in our on our porch in one of our flower beds. And every morning, I can hear them chirping, waiting for their mom and dad to come feed them. And uh, it's just, it's nice to sit there and kind of just be like, man, listen to those birds. Now, as soon as they're out of there, I'm cleaning that nest up and I'm not letting another one form because <laughs> it's messed up some of my flowers. But uh, it is nice to enjoy it, you know. So so what is it in your life maybe that is, uh, again, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily the end of the world, but if you could limit the amount of spoonfuls that you take from it, uh, it could be helping you go in the right direction. So good stuff, man. Thanks really for good. jumping on. Thanks and, for having uh, me. It's fun to, to talk with you about the stuff. I and mean, we, do, we do it literally on a weekly basis, whether that's in our living rooms, backyard, on the phone, whatever. And so um, it's a pleasure that I get to share your thoughts with our friends. So thanks. Thank you guys for listening and being a part of the Beyond Podcast. Like always, we hope that you are being encouraged through your week. There's so much stuff out there that can discourage you, that can push you into a life of fear. And, uh, well, quite frankly, that that is just not an option as a Christ follower. We're not to live in fear and not to be all stressed out and worried all the time. Are there moments? Sure. But for the most part, a life walking with Jesus should uh, should be enjoyable. And uh, so with that said, if you've ever missed one of our sermons or anything like that, you can check it out on Bethany Naz's YouTube page or the website's archived. And uh, we hope to uh, either see you on Sunday or that you'll continue to plug in over the weeks. We'll talk to you soon.